Father, while singing those words, I'm reminded of my own inadequacy and the fact that I really don't deserve your love, yet you lavish it on us anyway. Father, I'm thankful for the stillness of your love. But today I'm reminded that your love isn't confined to this stillness, but it enters into the chaos of this world. Father, I think of Namibia today, who's in the midst of a state of emergency, a drought that's leaving over 500,000 people crying out for water and food. Lord, have mercy. I'm reminded of northwestern Syria, where just this morning, 20 civilians were killed in an airstrike. Lord, have mercy. I'm reminded of Venezuela, with this political crisis that's been going on forever, and yet in the midst of it, there's thousands of people in the midst of a water crisis. Lord, have mercy. Your love is not confined to the stillness. And for that, we are grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jake. We come today to the end of our sermon series this semester, reading the Bible with Jesus, examining these overlooked Old Testament stories as we've gotten to know God through these stories. We've gotten to know a lot about God through these stories. And we've gotten to know a lot about ourselves in light of who God is. It's been a fun journey. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've had fun sitting with some of these folks we haven't thought about so much like Lady Wisdom and Ishmael and being able to enjoy those together. I hope you keep enjoying them as you continue to dive into the Old Testament. Today, though, we're going back to the beginning. See, sometimes... We find out our purpose best or something's purpose best by looking at its origins, seeing how it started. I'll give you an example. This is a very long screwdriver. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming, did you? <laughs> this was given to me with specific instructions. Forrest, do not ever use that as a crowbar. This is a screwdriver. If you use it as a crowbar, you'll ruin it as a screwdriver for life. Save it for the time when you actually need to reach in somewhere really far and use it to screw something in. So far, so good. This, because I know the origin of this, this was given to me as a screwdriver, to be used as a screwdriver. I know its purpose. I know what it's for. And I can use it rightly. And so today, we're going back to the beginning. Going back to the beginning of the story and find out about who God is and who we are and our purpose in that. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, these familiar words, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, and then it goes on, of course, to lay out this picture of God graciously breathing and speaking life into existence, the universe out of chaos into order. Now, before we get too far, we need to have a time out and make sure we don't get sidetracked by what, what might get us, us confused here, the technical details of the story. You notice there's a creation story in, in chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 5. See, the, the, the writers of Genesis, they're not too concerned about the how of creation. Our science today can help give some really great insight into that, in my opinion. They're concerned about the who. 
the who of creation. Who is this who is breathing life and making life in order? And particularly we see this, we see the, the, the contrast, right, with the, the, other, the other ancient Near Eastern creation myths. And we see that the, the Enuma Elish where the gods were fighting, battling each other, and one, one god ripped the other god in half, and that carcass became the earth, right? And then humans are slaves to serve the gods. This violent, exploitive uh, account of creation. And then contrast that with the story we see in Genesis God, out of sheer generosity and grace, speaks life, makes the universe in beauty and order, makes humans, breathe life, and doesn't need anything in return. As Catherine's beautiful art showing us here, doesn't need anything in return. God just gives life to the universe. This is what Genesis is concerned about, the who of God as he creates the universe. I got a taste of this kind of, this kind of who in my grandpa be, Grandpa Buckner. Grandpa Buckner taught me how to fish. Here's Grandpa Buckner and I, Christmas. Grandpa taught me how to, taught me how to throw a baseball. He always had a, a, a can of, of Werther's, those caramel, you know, candies, and the Andes mints that you could fold the, the foil wrapper in a little paper airplane. And he called me Peanut. And I knew when I was with Grandpa that he didn't need anything from me. He was just going to breathe life into me. We were going to have fun. You see his smile. He would just laugh and have fun and love me. And I got a taste of the kind of who that God is. Just a little glimpse of a God who is graciously generous and life-giving from the very beginning of the creation. This is who God is. God is the creator. But as we look through the whole of Scripture, it doesn't stop there. God is not just the creator, but we see through Scripture it's more than that. In Revelation chapter 4, we see at the end of the story, around the throne of God, the elders and the creatures are standing around the throne, and they say, Worthy, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive all glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will they existed and were created. See, God in the Bible doesn't just start the clock and get it going and take off. No, God is actually the sustainer, the ruler of the created world as well. He rules over it. And not just that. We see, remember in the book of Job, early on we talked about Job and how God points out to Job, hey, have you considered the hyrax? How about the eagle? How about Leviathan? How about this crazy big sea or water monster thing? Have you checked it out? Jesus says, yeah, look at the lilies of the field, how they're clothed in beauty. And the sparrows doesn't fall one without God knowing. Do you know what God does with his creation? He creates it, he rules it, but he also delights in it. He delights in his creation. This is who God is, creator, ruler, and the one who delights in his creation that's who God is. And then at the end of chapter 1 of Genesis, 20, of Genesis chapter 1, we come to hear of this culmination of creation. 
on the sixth day, after God has made the other creatures the same day, by the way, we're all creatures together, these other creatures who, who dwell on land, but there is one set of creatures who happen to walk on two feet that God decides to set apart a special way. You guys know how I like to read the scripture together. So let's, let's read together Genesis 1, 26 to 28. Ready? Go. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Amen. Thank you. So good to speak God's word together. I love that. Thank you. God chooses these humans, sets them apart, breathes life, says, you're going to be my image bearers, and I'm going to give you special jobs, a special purpose on earth. We see in chapter 2, and it's a different telling of the story, another account of this job, these jobs that God gives humanity. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till and to keep it, to till and to keep it, to work and protect. Maybe another word is to steward it, to steward it. It's God's world. See, God's the creator and ruler, and then God makes humanity in his image to steward it, play a part in it. Right after that, that verse, then God goes on to, to, to invite humanity to do their first job, which is naming. Naming the animals. Do you know what you have to do if you want to name something? You got to look at it. You got to look at it closely. So what do you think? What do you think they're doing? So, okay. Okay, big, big round body. Uh, long legs, look pretty strong. Really long neck. Big eyes. Beak. Okay, um, how about Johnny Longlegs? Uh, a little cheesy. How about Pencil Neck? Mm, a little rude. Uh, I know, body kind of looks like an, oh, ostrich, ostrich, that's it? It's going to be an ostrich, got it. One down, 4,300,000 to go. To name something, you have to, you have to notice it. And when you start noticing things like that, do you know what happens? You start delighting in it. Just like God delights in the hyrax, you start delighting in things like echidnas and quails <laughs> and tulips. Because you start to notice them. You start delighting in them. And guess what? Who delighted first in creation? God did. And then he said, I'm going to make some image bearers. And guess what they're meant to do? Delight. Delight in this beautiful world that God has made. And so God creates and rules and delights in his world. And then he says to us, come steward this place and delight in it. 
I tasted that with my grandpa as well. See, my grandpa had an incredible lawn. And we're talking, you know, perfect. The, the, you know, the, the lawn is so thick, there's no weeds can even grow in there. There's no room inside. And you step on, it feels like you're like walking on carpet, like the really thick, good carpet. No pokies in your feet. You know, it's great. And so my grandpa taught me how to mow his lawn. He taught me as a 10-year-old how to pull that, that string hard enough to actually start the mower and how to make straight lines so that it looks great at the end, not those wiggly things. He taught me how to, how to, how to trim not too long, not too short. And my grandpa invited me to steward his beautiful lawn. So every week I'd come and I would take care of it, be a part of his lawn And delighted in it. And when my grandpa died when I was 13, uh, I got to keep stewarding that lawn for him. And keep doing it. Keep stewarding that lawn. Because he showed me how. And I knew how to do it. I knew what he would like, how he wanted it to be. This is a little glimpse of God, our creator, and ruler, and delighter, who invites us to steward and delight in this world. So we know, just like I tasted with my grandpa, that things got wrong in the world, right? Things got muddled up. Pretty soon after this, humanity rejects God's ways, says, no, we got it. And now this, this downfall of the world begins, and violence and corruption and exploitation becomes the mark of what our world is like. And we see throughout scripture and throughout human history the way that, that this has played out. And we see two extremes. One extreme is the, is the worship of creation. We see people bowing down saying, wow, that tree is incredible. That, that, that's got to be somehow divine. And they bow down with the gods of the, of the trees or the mountains. Or on the other side, simple utilitarian exploitation. What can I get out of this that makes me feel good, happy, comfortable right now. Both are still in existence. Right now in our world, we've probably swung more towards this side, the side of exploitation for what makes us feel comfortable. Many of you probably heard about the United Nations report that came out yesterday. It's a huge report about what's going on with our world, that one million species are looking at being, being driven to extinction in the next few decades because humans are continuing to, to just demolish and take over whatever we can to make us feel comfortable and prosperous. In the study, it also, you should look at it, it links, it links the environmental uh, exploitation with human suffering and injustice and poverty. Those go together. Not to mention the way that the biodiversity, as it, as it goes down and down, actually makes human life less likely to flourish as well. This is all part of this mess that came with sin and us as humans have continued to perpetuate as we've exploited this earth. And Romans 8 reminds us, this isn't a new thing, that creation is groaning for the redemption of all things, starting with us, that God's going to make all things new. Creation itself is groaning, saying, stop, stop. And so what do we do? Do we jump on board with one political party or the other saying, oh, they're gonna, they got it right. 
Or I'm just going to ignore that part. I, they got it right. I'm going to ignore that part. No one has it right there. How about just jump on board with one activism group? They got it. No. No, as Christians, we have to think Christianly about something like this. You know how we do that? We start by saying, who is God? Can you say, who is God? Ready? Who is God? Who is God? The second thing we say is, what is God doing? Your turn. Ready? Who is God? What is God doing? The third thing is, how do I get in on that? Ready? Go. How do I get in on that? That's how we think Christianly about something like this. Who is God? God is the creator and ruler and delighter in creation. That's who God is. What is God doing? Colossians 1 says that in Jesus, the blood of Jesus, God was reconciling all things to himself. And Ephesians 1 says this, in Jesus we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Y'all can come up. God's plan and the mystery of dead and risen and ascended Jesus is to gather up all things in him. Re-head up. The picture we see of this is like, it's like when River, my son, dumps out a brand new set of Legos on the floor and they're all different shapes and colors and you think that's just a mess. And then he sits down and two hours later, there's an incredible boat. How did that happen? That's what God's doing. God and Jesus Christ is saying, my, I'm re-heading up, recalling together all things in heaven and on earth, bringing it to what it's meant to be. That's what God's doing. God, the creator and ruler and sustainer. And so what do we do? We get in on it. We get in on what God's doing. We participate. And it starts with delight. Delighting. Have you taken a moment to delight so easy right now, right? Delight in this incredible beauty of spring. To see a quail run across the street with his little feet scurrying, his little head bobbing. They're so ridiculous. And just laugh at the thing. Or to look at the, at the little veins on the leaves that have just exploded on all the trees. I think, what just happened? This was not there two weeks ago. It's green and beautiful. Or the, the gentle, delicate beauty of a tulip leaf. What? Delight in what God's amazing creation. God made us for that. That's part of our origin, our call, our job is to delight like God does and do steward it. Steward it. God's invited us into his lawn, showing us how much he loves it and how beautiful it is. He says, hey, come, come be a part of this with me. Come take care of it with me. Come join me. And in doing that, we don't do it just so we can survive. The UN report talks about how we can survive. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. But we don't just do it for that. We do it because we know God. We know God, the creator, the one who made it, the one who loves it, the one who loves us. And he says, come join me. It's not out of guilt or shame or fear. It's out of love and obedience. Yes, God, I want to get in on that. 
Sign me up. I'll go with you. Let's worship and have fun in your beautiful lawn. Let's stand and sing to that God together. So go from here into his last week and a half of school, knowing this God who is the creator and the ruler and the one who delights in his creation and you and all his beautiful creation. Go joyfully receiving his invitation to join him in his stewardship and delight in that beautiful world. Go in the peace of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.